guest today is an asset management mover and shaker turned whistleblower. Desiree Fixler was the group sustainability officer at German asset management firm DWS before she was laid off just over a year ago and argued that the asset manager was misrepresenting its incorporation of ESG. Now she is determined to see a successful, positive and honest transition for the global asset management industry. Desiree, hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, Desiree, to get started, I mean, I've seen that you've said the group sustainability officer role was your dream job. Can you tell us what, why that was? Sure. Absolutely, it was. Um, I was hired to uh, set and oversee the strategy for the firm's ESG slash sustainability um, uh, aspect of, of, of both the investment platform, so the fund business, as well as the, the company itself. And I thought that was fantastic. You know, the company, DWS, was aligning its commercial interests with its actual company operations. And I thought that's the right, authentic approach. Remember, this is 2020, right? And, and ESG is really taking off at this point. Um, and, and, you know, I, I felt the market had moved more or less from ESG 1.0 to 2.0. And investors were scrutinizing asset managers. You know, greenwashing, you know, was, was a huge topic. And folks wanted to, to to ensure the asset manager was going about it the right way. And I thought that that, that DWS is um, in creating a role that aligns company operations with the fund business was the progressive um, uh, way um, to align principles and strategies. Um, and so I, I absolutely, you know, bought into it. I bought into um, a firm that was embarking on, you know, tremendous culture change. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we know that Deutsche Bank um, has quite a checkered past, uh, but I believed when the, the firm's top, you know, management, you know, came to me and said, listen, you're going to report directly to the CEO. You know, we're going to do this the right way. We want to position, our, you know, the firm to be a leader in this space. Um, and, and, I, and I bought it. It was a job that, um, would focus on the most interesting aspects of ESG. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you and you have obviously been in the kind of sustainable um, or, or responsible uh, investment space for some time. So it must have been it must have been kind of at yeah the the, the pinnacle of of the work that you'd done previously. And so when you were in the role, Desiree, day to day, what kind of things were you doing? So, you know, it was very much just, you know, jumping in and working with, you know, ESG specialists and also, you know, operation and control specialists throughout the firm. The first task, of course, is just to get to know the firm and to figure out, you know, what, you know, where does the firm stand? And, and right. listen, this Cause is... Because you, you said it was a, sorry, it was a newly created role, right? So this was all, I mean formalizing all this was quite new. Absolutely. And, you right. know, the firm was, you know, upfront, look, you know, and, and by the way, this is, you know, it's not unique to DWS. It's a large asset manager and say, listen, you know, in certain areas, we're quite advanced in certain areas we lag, right? So, you know, the job is, you know, we need you to do a gap assessment, market all to market, 
and, and figure out the action plan going forward, right? Because again, we wanted to align the approach, the principles, right? The strategies, you know, across, you know, all, 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 all the different players across the firm. And so that, you know, that's exactly what I did. And also remember, this is, this is, I was hired um, in the spring of 2020. Unfortunately, um, the firm was experiencing, um, you know, some issues. You had um, uh, first, you know, the Jeff Epstein um, investigation um, by the SEC. Um, you had, and that was, you know, um, uh, you know, that was impending, and that was mm -hmm. imminently going to come out. Um, the findings and and potential, you know, penalty from the SEC. Um, you know, the CFTC, uh, another U.S. regulator, um, had, had um, you know, had said to, had informed the Deutsche Bank group that because of lax reporting, um, they might have to shut down the DWS's advisory business across the U.S. And then finally, you had the whole wire card scandal breaking, and unfortunately, DWS had an outside outsized position uh, in Wirecard. And in fact, Wirecard also found itself in a top position in a dedicated ESG fund. So, you know, and, 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 and by the way, we have a raging pandemic in the background, right? So it was quite a turbulent time when I jumped in. And uh, so, you know, again, like, you know, my eyes were open, you know, I got it. Um, they knew me. Uh, I, had, I had previously worked at Deutsche Bank. Um, I'm very well known for being quite direct and outspoken, true New Yorker. And, and again, this is not uncommon at, you know, at asset managers, you know, folks have, you know, portfolio managers and analysts, some, you know, some, some people have been in the seat for, you know, a couple of decades and they're saying, hang on, we're doing a decent job. Why do we have to change things? So it's not uncommon that there is some inertia, right, to changing mm -hmm. the way in which you risk assess investments. And, and that was, you know, that was there at, at, at DWS. Unfortunately, DWS had decided to report out specifically mm. on its assets under management that complied with ESG, right? They reported out that smart, their version of ESG integration, smart integration was above industry standards, was world-class mm. and sophisticated. But when you actually looked under the hood, that wasn't the case. The firm was presenting a much rosier picture publicly than actually what was what was happening, what was being discussed, and what was documented internally. And I worked with the leading ESG specialists across the platform globally, and we were all aligned on mm -hmm. the problems, the gaps on the platform, and the solutions that that needed to be had. Uh, mm -hmm. Starting with that, you know. The majority that firm had reported out that the majority of the AUM complied with ESG integration. That wasn't the case. It was only a very small fraction. Now, we had to approximate what was ESG compliant uh, mm. manually because there was no reporting or tracking system, right? right. So that was my first revelation. It's like, wait, hang on a second. How could you be reporting out on numbers? And specifically, yeah. at this point, what was reported out for uh, 2019 was two, uh, 451 billion euros. Um, and what was 
planning to be reported out in, in 20, you know, for, for the year 2020 was mm. 459 billion euros of assets under management complied with ESG. How could you report out that number? There is no measurement or tracking system. Where's the evidence for this? And we, the ESG, we called it the workshop, um, pretty much the 13 most senior people operating in the space, right, couldn't find any evidence for that number. And in fact, when we did our own calculation, and it was an estimate because there wasn't a proper tracking system, there were over 800 portfolio managers and, and investment specialists, right? Uh, but we, we, we could, you know, you know, approximate that it was only a very small fraction, right? So now, you know, you've got, you know, that, that's a big contradiction. Additionally, we looked at smart integration. And what we realized mm -hmm. this was not a sophisticated approach. It was actually the bargain basement discount approach to ESG integration. It allowed for the portfolio managers not to get involved and, and incorporate mm -hmm. ESG into their investment process. It was a model-based system that was miscalibrated and it would only focus on what this model considered severe risk. So kind of like the bottom one or one and a half percent of all the, the investments under management. That's not ESG integration, right? And again, what right. was marketed to investors was that PMs, were in fact incorporating, were considering ESG factors in their investment decisions. And that wasn't the case. There was a committee on the side that only looked at what they considered the, the worst ESG risks, the F3 mm. companies. They had a rating system from A to F. Mm. And unfortunately, with, through the miscalibration, Wirecard was not given an F, which it should have been. In fact, it was given the second highest rating, a B. And it was, and it was based on reading the report, which I pulled. It was based on high business ethics. That's what was stated as far along as June 2020, when the company or high business ethics. Yes, yes, yes. So you can see, see that there was something wrong with the smart integration system. You know, as I explained to to the CEO and the executive mm -hmm. board, uh, we're misrepresenting and misstating the firm's ESG capabilities and assets under management, and that mm -hmm. can be considered securities fraud with stiff penalties. At this time, this is February of 2021, we're imminently publishing our annual report, which is a combined report of financials mm -hmm. plus non-financials. And, you know, I, I'm an editor in the annual report and we need to make, you know, tremendous changes. There are misstatements mm -hmm. in there and we mm -hmm. have to with where we stand and look, you know, of course I had an ask, right? We all had an ask, you know, these are the, the resources that we need, right? Mm -hmm. you know, across the platform to make these changes, right? And, and you right. can embark And what I said to them, like change is inevitable and it's mm -hmm. your decision today to decide whether it's going to be radical change or it's going to be incremental change. But, you know, both paths will need uh, both reallocation of existing resources, right, internally, and we'll have to make some new hires as well. Um, I see. And, uh, the response was, you know, a few weeks later, you're fired, right? And the annual report went out without, you know, many, without, without the bulk of my edits. Yeah, the, the output of what was communicated wasn't uh, reflecting perhaps the openness that was there Absolutely. for the team to... 
Yes, management decided that, you know, you know, no one's really, uh, you know, uh, uh, investigating ESG statements, right? No one's assessing them. You can just say it, right? So it was recognized, what I believe, by the CEO and the executive board there, that you can just say anything. You pull at the heartstrings, you know, you make these, you know, these huge propaganda rhetoric, rhetoric statements, you know, ESG is in our, you know, DNA. ESG is at the core of everything we do. You know, we're here to, you know, for social justice and committing to going net zero, you know, uh, and, and, you know, you could just say it, right? A lot of ESG, um, uh, you know, assessment companies, whether it's the PRI or others, right? Just take in self-reports by companies. They're not kicking the tires themselves. I mean, but I mean, this is this is a narrative that so many asset management companies are are, are coming out with, right? And pouring a lot of like marketing uh, into. Do Do you think this was happening? more widely across the industry in terms of asset managers kind of really hyping up this, the messaging and the marketing and maybe not doing some of the foundational groundwork that was quite radical, but needed to happen underneath. I do. I, I absolutely, you know, think that, um, you know, the, I think a lot of senior executives, corporate executives, recognized the world had changed. During the pandemic, you saw a tremendous expression of social unrest. And firms felt under pressure to immediately respond through bold statements and commitments. Right? And so, you know, statements such as diversity and inclusion is our top priority. Uh, you know, we're going, we're committed to going net zero, you know, mm. we're focused on climate action. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, I think that that was, you know, very prevalent um, for every, you know, for, for many of the large, you know, larger financial institutions um, to impulsively make these statements mm. and absolutely rhetoric and propaganda just, just mm. exploded. It got out of control. And the one thing I can say is the, you know, the, there have been, I mean, the DWS uh, incident and, and issue has rippled through the market. Mm, and I think yeah. that that's actually, it, it's actually going to create positive change. Cause I think a lot of companies have said, hang on a second, you know, let's let's hit the pause button on this in this ESG conveyor belt, you know, as we're like, you know, accelerating of all these ESG, you know, investments and, and services, you know, just slap yeah. the green label on it and it'll sell like hotcakes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, like this, this, this like immediate, like, you know, you know, you know, everyone pressed on that on that that, that pause button here to say, okay. Um, we got caught up into this um, and and let's reassess. Let's mark ourselves to market. Are we, in fact, delivering on what we're publicly stating? So how do we mobilize, you know, investment into, in, into truly decarbonizing the market, right? Into ensuring that there is, you know, social justice. And I mm. think we recognize that we need to work with uh, governments, Right. We need the yeah. posts set by the governments. 
We need greater regulation and legislation, right? And that will give us the goalposts so that we can now redirect the power and the might of the capital markets into more impactful uh, ESG strategies. I definitely want to come back and kind of chat to you a bit more about um, regulation, Desiree. Um, but you, you mentioned um, these kind of the, these kind of common moves that we see from asset managers. For example, we have mobilized over you know a trillion pounds into ESG strategies. Um, I wanted to comment on one trend that we've seen a lot here in the UK, um, and I imagine I, I imagine you know kind of around the world as well, um, and that is of you know asset managers saying. Um, if you know our underlying companies don't, you know, divest uh, in you know divest from companies producing fossil fuels by this time, we will not we will not um, kind of show our vote of confidence um, for those companies. You know, heads, we will we will not show our support yes. um, as shareholders. Um, what do you think of that move? Do you think that's a kind of uh, a positive step? Absolutely, I, I think that one of the most effective. ESG strategies is in fact corporate engagement. You know, I'm not here to say that that there is a, you know, this is what ESG is, right? That yeah. can mean anything from negative selection to right mitigation of financial financially material risk to actual impact investing, right? Yeah. Folks can decide whether or not nuclear is good or bad. Folks can decide like the recent, you know, debate about weapons is it good or yeah. bad you know investing yeah. in democracies versus autocracies good you know again the you know right or wrong strategy whether yeah. you're investing in some dirty companies in order to transition right it, it like there are so many different strategies that's that's for investors to decide what an asset mm -hmm. manager simply has to do is communicate and disclose clearly yeah, I see. I see. And on, on that topic of engagement, though, I mean, another another trend that I've certainly noticed is asset managers, you know, and every single asset manager here in the UK um, has an engagement, uh, engages, you know, and they and they state that they do in their, you know, um, sort of sustainability strategy document. But um, how how can we tell how much they are engaging and how can we tell what that actually involves? Because that is something that I think you often have to dig deeper to find. You're absolutely right. Um, look, you know, there's a big difference between inputs and outcomes, right? And all too often in this market, right, we, we confuse the two. So just because a company has a stewardship policy, right? right. Or <laughs> 2,000 meetings with their investee corporations, right? That's an input. That's not an outcome, right? They're not supposed to be lauded. They're not supposed to be boasting or patting themselves on the back, right? Just, you know, policies, targets, aspirations, meetings, right? They're just the inputs. So to right. answer the question, right, how do we judge an asset manager? It's like, via outcomes. What did they achieve? Right. You know what engine, you know, number one achieved, right? Um, so, you know, here's, here's, you know, through their shareholder activism, right? They have, you know, they've made these changes on boards. They voted against executive comp here. They provided these sort of shareholder proposals. They have demanded, you know, and they're helping the companies, you know, reduce, you know, their carbon footprint by X, right? So it's, 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 you know, you, you have to judge the asset manager by the outcomes. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. And again, it's something that I think asset managers will say will say quite readily is that they've had this many meetings and they've, you know, um, yeah, that they regularly engage, but the outcomes maybe are, are, are more difficult to, to find. So that's, that's really useful. Thank you. Um, and actually, I'll just flag for our listeners that the Investment Association here in the UK has what is called the shareholder register, which, um, you know, invites asset managers here to report on, um, you know, whether they attend uh, shareholder meetings and how they how they vote and if they vote. Um, so that that can be really useful if listeners want to find out more. Recently at CityWire, we interviewed uh, CEO of 91 Asset Management, uh, and he said that he thinks the narrative uh, in asset management around ESG needs to change. Um, he said that there's quite a bit of regulatory pressure and also what he called category inflation, i.e., you know, seeing a lot of funds uh, rebrand as ESG or sustainable, a lot of funds being classified as Article 8. And he said that that this all this pressure he thought was leading asset managers to kind of move too fast with ESG. Um, so, so, so the regulatory pressure thing, Desiree. I mean, what do you think of regulation that's out there? As you say, we've had SFDR for a year, um, and and asset managers have been given time to you know implement the reporting that is required of them by SFDR. Um, do you think there's any pressure by regulators to kind of uh, force asset managers to um, make statements that they might not be ready to make, um, et cetera? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, I, I think he's right. Um, uh, you know, of course, the, the European regulator doesn't want to promote greenwashing, uh, but the focus of the European Sustainable Finance Action Plan is, of course, to mobilize, it's to achieve Europe's Green Deal, and to achieve and, and to mobilize uh, sustainable money into sustainable investments, right? So, I mean, the the, the European this this body, this motherload mm -hmm. of sustainable finance regulation, of course, is to is to move money into Article Eight and Nine strategies, right? right. Um, and and but of course, you know, it's the regulator did not intend to beat up asset managers or pressure asset managers to take shortcuts, right? Of course, that, that, that was not the intention. Uh, but of course, you know, you have a situation right now where demand, right, outweighs supply when it comes to mm -hmm. ESG products, right? And so, you know, it's kind of the nature of the beast where when you don't have that much oversight and enforcement, on actually going through and looking at, you know, you know, are these are these strategies accurately labeled, right? Are these statements accurate, right? And and Europe, right? Their you know enforcement is less than what occurs in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so so when you have a situation like this where your asset owners, right, retail and institutional their demand for products outweighs your supply. You're just going to accelerate your conveyor belts of products, right? right. And, 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 you know, and, and again, I've been part of these, you know, debates internally where to say, okay, we've got this fund. Um, we're promoting it as ESG. We're promoting it as aligned with the sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we see this as Article 8. But, you know, again, mm -hmm. You take a look at the portfolio constituents, and again, it's those companies that we all know. 
Apple and Google and and United Healthcare, AstraZeneca, and Microsoft, right? And you know, you ask yourself, are these really SDG aligned companies? There, no doubt, this is a high performance portfolio. These are right high performers, progressive companies, but are they really sustainable investments? And and you know, you, you've got you know strategies like this that are being labeled Article Nine, right? It's it's ridiculous. Uh, and again, you know, with SFDR, as long as you tick the boxes, right? Right. Yeah. You can say, look at it. It is like for all these reasons, I've ticked all these the, the right boxes. It's Article Nine. It's ridiculous. There have been is so it, many. Sorry, sorry. Go, go ahead. There have been so many debates internally, and I'm sure this is happening. You know, at at, at so many firms, you know, debates on you know, is this Article Six or Eight? Is this Article Eight or Nine? If you have to debate it, be more conservative, right? It's the lesser version, right? Just yeah. If we're we're in this room debating this, right? It, it's not Article Nine. It's Article Eight. Let's just Absolutely. let's just be super clear. We are not Absolutely. supposed to be aggressive here, and and but that that is what's what's happening. But it's because of the imbalance of supply and demand for ESG products. I see. I see. So I mean, I was going to say, you know, your Article Nine fund that has in its top five, Facebook, Microsoft. Um, alphabet, blah, blah, blah. Is that greenwashing? I do think that there is this mislabeling, right? But mm -hmm. SFDR, you know, kind of allows for it, right? So uh, that, that's the unfortunate thing is that, um, you know, you can game it, right? You can game, you can arbitrage, to arbitrage SFDR. What I think needs to happen, right? It, you know, most folks, you know, look at the U.S. and, and think, you know, the, the U.S. is catching up, right? We, we are, mm -hmm. you know, imminently awaiting, you know, the SEC's uh, proposal on climate disclosure, right? Climate risk disclosure, climate emissions mm -hmm. disclosure. Uh, and, and, you know, folks are saying, thank goodness, finally, the U.S. is catching up. Well, hang on a second. You know, where the U.S. gets it right is that um, there is um, rigorous surveillance and supervision and there are often enforcement actions when mm. misconduct occurs. So the starting point in the U.S. is that, you know, are we telling the truth, right? Mm. And so that's the test. And folks, you know, here know, right, it, the concept of mis-selling, misrepresentation. It doesn't matter what it's on. It could be on mm. AI. It could be on derivatives. It could be on ESG, Right. You know, are we misleading? Are we mis-selling our investors? It doesn't matter what the strategy mm. is, right? Mm. And folks know here in the U.S., if you're doing that, that is, you know, and it's material, that is securities fraud, and you're going to get in trouble. And guess what? There are stiff penalties. And in fact, not only can the firm get in trouble, but you, the individual, can find yourself yeah. in a lot of trouble. And they work? Do you think they do Absolutely. work? Yeah. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an investment banker. I worked, you know, pre-crisis and I lived through the rollout of Dodd-Frank, um, the Jesse Litvak um, uh, uh, situation. Um, and and, and it, it really raised the bar on good practice <laughs> because, you know, everyone's looking around going, oh, no, my goodness, like, that that dude, right? My colleague, that guy sitting next to me, just like just got hold hold off into jail. Like, 
Ooh, <laughs> I, yeah. I need to take a closer look at things, right? So, you know, when, you know, fear goes a long way, right, to, you know, up performance, up, up you know, best practice. Um, and, and I think that, 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 that the U.S. gets it right there. They have more of this, what I call, like, kind of this macro or top-down approach, mm-hmm. right? So they haven't gotten into the weeds, which, by the way, I think SFDR, like the European, you know, you know action plan, and taxonomy, that's all good, right? But that's not enough. That's really interesting because, I mean, as as you will know with SFDR, I think at the moment firms are required to publish a document um, in a public place on their website that outlines, you know, how they consider sustainability risks and um, impacts, essentially. I mean, they just have to publish it on their website. I don't think there's been anything about consequences if they are mis-selling. So that's not... that's not doing any good not going to do any good do you think just the the kind of publishing it's it okay look there's no downside it's it's positive and makes people focus and and rethink and i think today folks are very aware about the dws matter and the investigation by all the you know u.s regulatory bodies civilly and criminally and all the germans you know jumping in um you know as well as investigating uh dws um Mm. You know, so so I so I do think that because of that, right? <laughs> because of that 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 investigation, you know, companies will think twice about their right. disclosure. But truthfully, the best way um, to to really clean up the market, I hate to say it, is through enforcement actions, right? We yes. lived through this through the financial crisis and all the misconduct that occurred prior. You know, was was very capably cleaned up, you know, through, you know, the boatload of, of regulation that came out afterwards. And, and you know, it's through examples of enforcement penalties, right? You know, huge monetary fines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, often, you know, you know, some folks, you know, having to go to jail. Um, and, and likewise, right, I, I don't mean to sound draconian or, or you know, or mm-hmm. you know, totalitarian here, but, you know, people need to realize that it is a financial crime, right, if you're misleading investors, right? We know that increasingly ESG is a huge revenue stream for companies, right? So it is financial and that you do have to be as accurate on ESG topics as you do on financial topics. Uh, and, and that, you know, if you greenwash that, and if it's material, that that is considered fraud, right? And that comes with penalties. I, I think that's the game changer, you know, you know, for this market. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's you know, I'm think I'm thinking about our listeners, obviously, and it's it's a it's a who are financial advisors, financial planners, and it's it's a tricky one because I think it's you know, it's, as you say, there are these kind of, there could be these consequences of kind of mis-selling to consumers and things. And I think, you know, financial advisors, you know, probably spend a lot of time scratching their heads and going, well, what am I, what am I supposed to do if, you know, asset managers are, are, are mis-selling, but then how can I possibly detect that? And then I, you know, and then I recommend these products to my clients who are, who are ESG kind of minded or, you know, really prioritize that. So I guess, I guess the question is, you know, is it, you know, for, for consumers and for for their kind of, um, for, for, yeah, for, for their good as well? Is it, it we need this enforcement action really to squash that to squash that that possibility that 
um, mis-selling could, could continue. Absolutely. And it's, it's unfortunate right now because, you know, for the, you know, investor retail or, or institutional, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to kick the tires here. Right. And it's very technical. Uh, so yes, so we need, right. You know, there, there needs to be, um, you know, clear, um, disclosure standards yeah. and, and the starting point, uh, I'm very, you know, I'm a very big, uh, uh, supporter of the ISSB. Um, so the IFRS foundations, um, newly formed, um, international standard setter for ESG disclosure, the international sustainability standards board. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's the starting point, right? Have international, a set of international, um, ESG disclosure requirements mm -hmm. for companies so that, you know, investors can best assess and compare. Uh, and, and, and again, to standardize ESG definitions. So we've already had, you know, the GRI and TCFD, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, this will go much further, right? Mm -hmm. To create one set that yeah. is clear, um, and science, science based. Um, so uh, I think, you know, it's, let's be honest, it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that, that's the other thing point out is that this is a, a hugely long-term journey, right? This right. is not something that happens overnight. Yeah. Right? All the more need for reporting though, I guess, just like honest reporting about the fact that it is, you know, it's transitional and yeah. it's going to be transitional for a while. And that's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are there any asset management firms that you think are really leading in this, in this ESG space, perhaps, perhaps since it's what we've sort of focused on more in terms of reporting as well as, you know, just their ES3 products and things. Some, some of your favorite names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, look, I, 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 I'm not really in a position to name the names. I, I think that sure. there are so many asset managers that, that are doing the right thing and, and do get this right, right? There are impact oriented, you know, asset management boutiques, um, right? As well as, you know, some of the larger players in the market. I think this, right, you have to go with an asset manager um, that practices what they preach and is not so um, over the top boastful um, and invoking, you know, crazy propaganda, you know, that you, you have to go with uh, an asset manager that clearly describes its products, mm. right? It is, I think that, that, that disclosure, clear communication is mm -hmm. what is most important. Uh, and, um, and, and that's, that's what I would, I would say, you know, the okay. companies, um, that, you know, are not, you know, so boldly, you know, making, you know, crazy statements about sa saving the world, you know, you have to go with players, um, that also not only are doing the right thing and are honest in their, you know, fund strategy descriptions, but also reflect these principles operationally, right? So, you know, if, if you see, um, you know, uh, again, you know, strategies around ESG that focus on social equity and social justice, 
but yet, you know, you look at the the fund manager and the C-suite is a bunch of like white dudes or, you know, the portfolio managers are 90% male, right? You know, there's an issue there, you know, um, you know, it, it's, 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 um, you know, you just, you, you have to ensure, you know, to use that overused expression that the, the asset manager itself is walking the talk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, and, and let's be clear, targets and aspirations are not outcomes. Just because the asset manager says, you know, diversity is our number one priority and we're shooting for 30% women, right? Uh, you know, this asset manager is gaming. First of all, it's it's a mediocre, lackluster goal, 30%. But but more importantly, it's about numbers. You can pull in any kind of, you know, female, right? In 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 kind of in the back office that are not, you know, in charge of decision making for front office for the actual fund management business. And and you know, and say, look, we hit, you know, these, you know, 30%, you know targets, but then you realize that actually the bonus pool, 90% of it went to males, right? So it's really about rather than like, it's not a numbers game that you have to look mm-hmm. at all in compensation, right? And, 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 and I think what the UK does about forcing companies to publish the gender pay gap is, is, mm-hmm. is fantastic. And, and when you say, you know, look, I'm a founding member of the net zero asset manager initiative and you know, this year we're going to take down or target it. Here's our target that we're going to comply. 30% of our assets under management will go net zero, right? Unfortunately, that's again, again, it's gaming things because that's mm. down the asset managers, right? Net zero or, or carbon footprint across all assets under management. It's just looking at a subsector, which is largely carbon light industries, technology that were already going net zero. So all you've done is I identified your technology plays, right? Right. Nothing to reduce the overall, right? Emission profile of your assets, right? Right. Urban studies that generally speaking, it's 10 or 15% of your investments are responsible for 85% of the emissions, right? Um, I mean, another thing that's happened here, um, we, we, we have tracked this a bit this year is, you know, asset managers coming out with um, new sustainable funds and sustainable products. And um, aside from what those funds and products actually, you know, invest in or, you know, say that they do, I suppose that could be another signal of, you know, okay, but, um, you know, are those funds now cancelling out, you know, other investment products that you have that, you know, are not doing anything to align with your statements you're making about net zero? I mean, I just wonder if that 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 kind of coming out with more sustainable products could be another way of kind of, um, yeah, you know, asset managers looking like they're, they are yeah. doing things, but they're not Absolutely. Having not an quite. impact product does not put a big red bow on your platform and, right. and it doesn't cover <laughs> up for all the bad stuff that you're doing either operationally or through other strategies. Right. And absolutely that that's used. Right. Let's 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 have a private equity impact fund. Right. And no one will see like all of our coal investments. Right. <laughs> right. right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. bonds, right. Let's, you know, issue a green bond, you know, for a green project. But it 
again, the rest of our businesses is dirty. Um, so no, it, 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 absolutely, that is a distraction. I mean, it's good to have impact funds. Don't get me wrong. That's genuine, I'm sure, right? And that's yeah. good to mobilize more money into impactful strategies, right? But you, you, you know, you know, senior management has to acknowledge, right? That's not the distraction for everything else you're doing, right? Right. So, it's, you know, when you are embarking on your ESG journey, right, the ESG team can't be an island onto itself, right? It's about tremendous, it's a paradigm shift on your platform. ESG has to be incorporated through every operator, right, in every strategy and throughout the control functions, right? It's, it's that's sometimes where, right, even myself, like, when we started out this conversation that, you know, being a chief sustainability officer was was a dream job. You know, there are at times where I think that that can also be, um, it could be a negative role because again, you know, this person or team can be in charge of all the whitewashing, right? Promotion of, of, of rhetoric and propaganda and covering up for all the bad stuff that's actually happening internally. And that's dangerous. Right. For me, I was there and it was important to have that centralized role at DWS because it was well known uh, that it, there was a fragmented approach throughout all the different asset classes and regions. And it was my jo job to align everything and you know, create standards like to, to, to set standards right across the platform. Right. But at some point, I, even I said, like, the role is not going to be needed. Right. You know, compliance should just take this over and there should just be right ESG expertise, right, mm. actual operations uh, and that you don't need to have any sort of, you know, chief sustainability officer anymore because it really is just a compliance function to ensure, like on the financial side, that, you know, the firm is doing what it states it's doing. Right. And yeah. expertise is in the front lines and all those subcontrol functions. Yeah. Um, is there something that you wish, uh, you know, a younger Desiree had known uh, when you were starting out in the kind of area of responsible investment uh, in asset management? The advice I would give is to ensure that there is secure management at, you know, whatever firm you're joining, that there is good corporate governance, that leadership is secure in listening to different types of ideas and listening to challenges and criticism, right? That, 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 you know, you don't have, you know, it's very important to assess whether or not like the firm is operating with spin doctors and, and operating, you know, because, you know, insecurities, denial and cover up and spinning everything. Um, it's important that firms, right? Cause you know, again, especially, you know, companies, you know, have thousands, you know, some of the bigger ones have thousands of people working there, right? At, at any given point, someone's up to no good, right? It's just the nature of the beast. It's human nature, right? Except that, you know, mistakes will happen, right? Mm. That is just the nature of the beast, but take it and have this concept of, of mark to market, admit it. That's the best way that you're going to get back on the right path. And the best companies are companies where, where there's a screw up, right? You know, it's all hands on deck. You ask what the hell happened, right? <laughs> Let's get to the root of the problem, right? 
it has to be disclosed, work with the regulators, right? Solve it, right? That's, that, that's, that is the, the strength position, right? Not deny yeah. or cover up. Um, I think that that is, that is super important. Um, Desiree, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, is there anywhere that our listeners can, can kind of follow what you're up to uh, currently? Uh, well, um, I mean, right now, um, I, I'm actually really enjoying um, uh, advising and weighing into the market-wide discussion on how we evolve and improve ESG investing. Um, I use LinkedIn uh, a, a bit. Um, I, I, I should be using it more, uh, also, uh, Twitter, but, but yeah, so I'd say LinkedIn at this point, um, and, um, considering, you know, some, some, you know, um, some other posts that might be disclosed in the future. Um, but, um, yeah, I'd say LinkedIn and, 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 um, uh, you know, I guess keep reading like Fantastic. all the newspapers and listening to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening. Um, so that's where you can find Desiree. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, we are on Twitter. We're at new model advisor, um, or feel free to drop me an email. So I'm nblackburn at citywide.co.uk. Thanks very much again, everyone. And see you next time. We'll